welcome to another episode of the Risk Juice Radio Podcast. Podcast dedicated to horological hot takes, taboo topics, and often unpopular watch opinions. My name is Schmidt, and as always, I'm joined by my good buddy. You guys know him. You love him. Mr. Bro Dinky. Bro, what is going on? Episode 30. 3-0. I cannot believe it. It's When you were telling me it was 30, I, I had to take a moment to, to really sit back and think about this because... I know we have we have colleagues that are kind of in the in the in the podcast game and have been for some time, but thirty for us is a is a pretty big milestone. Yeah, you're never really sure if you're going to get there. To be honest, it's it it's definitely a grind. Like when people say it's work, it is work because it's not our job. So yeah, absolutely. If it was, it would be super easy, no big deal. But it's not, and especially you travel a lot. My hours are terrible. <laughs> it does not make it any easier. Nobody does no, any it does favors, not. you know. Mm-mm. It's hard. I mean, like it's it really is hard to come up with fresh content and 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 bring stuff to light every single week. Um I know you certainly have uh the brunt of the work cuz you do all the editing and things like that. Um and it's and you're right. It is a job. It's a lot of a lot of extra stuff and again, this is not our normal 9 to 5 if if I could even say that I have a normal 9 to 5. I know that you certainly don't either. Nope. Um <laughs> but uh we love doing it, and and this is a huge milestone for us. So for all of you out there that have been listening this long, thirty episodes in, thank you, because this is uh this has been such a fun ride so far. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's something to do every week. It's I don't really make it out to meetups or anything. I don't have many people in my immediate circles that I can just sit around and shoot the breeze with, as, with regard to watches at least. I have two very close friends that we. We're still pretty close, but I moved out of town. Another one's moved away a little bit. So we're a little more separate now. Whereas before, we'd all just hang out, go to Dunkin' Donuts or something, take a walk, and we'd just be BSing about the latest stuff. But it's just, you know, life happens. <laughs> so it's Absolutely. still it's still a, like a little weekly reprieve for me, you know? Yeah, no, I, I feel the same way. I mean, there's not a lot of people that I can that I can really geek out and talk about watches with. And, and you're certainly one of them, even though we live in two completely different areas of the world, which is fantastic. But I mean, without doing this, I, you know, in many ways, I don't have an outlet for this. Like my wife is, is done hearing about watches as yeah. I'm sure your wife is too. It's, it's just like, it's our social medias. It's our world. It's our, it's our podcast. It's everything. And the people around us are just so inundated with this. They're like, dude, just stop. Like, please turn it off. Uh, so without this, I mean, I'm the same way. It, it, it is certainly a creative outlet, but it's also a great way for us to, to flex our orological muscle, if you will, and, and get, get it out there without having to, to burden our families and friends, uh, with this, uh, with this craziness. So, yeah, I was babbling on about a uh, listener analytics the other night and she's like, I can't believe this is your life. <laughs> <laughs> listener analytics. I mean, it's true, though. I was like, oh, we're having it's a true. good week. She's like, what are you even talking about? <laughs> yeah, it's it's insane. It's insane. But uh, again, thank you all for, for joining us on 30 episodes so far. It's been it really has been a blast. We could not do this without you. We would not do this without you. Uh, so thank you. But, um, bro, I know you had mentioned, too, that you wanted to touch on some kind of a, some house cleaning stuff, housekeeping stuff that we got. So uh, why don't you take it away? Sure. Uh, first of all, congratulations to my Moonswatch giveaway. I posted it, uh, the video of it. Uh, his name is Alex. He lives in Texas, and he walked away with a Moonswatch for a cool $20 donation. 
So when I say <laughs> somebody's walking away with a moon splotch for 10 bucks, could be you. It was him. <laughs> Granted, it was 20, yeah. but hey, that's not too shabby, right? And especially not when you can't find one. So, right. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty sweet deal. That's for sure. Yeah. And just shout out to everybody who contributed. Um, shout out to some people who left some very generous donations. Um, thank you very, very much for that. We've raised over three grand. That's amazing. That's amazing. And, and I got to say this too. Shout out to Kelly and on her own time, because I know she does her, her live shows um, every week on Fridays yep. and she helps raise a lot of money that way. So, so Kelly, if you're listening to this, thank you. I know bro certainly does appreciate it. I know real men wear pink certainly do appreciate it. So, so thank you for, for kind of stoking the fire a little bit and giving us some back end support to, to raise some more money. So thanks Kelly. So for those who don't know what the heck we're talking about, our friend Kelly, who has been on the pod at on her own time, she does sort of a weekly live stream, usually weekly, on Friday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, starts at. And now that Instagram has sort of caught up with the rest of the content creating space, they now have this thing where YouTube has super chats, Twitter has tips. These are called badges. I don't know why. I guess they... I guess I think I think it's a little like a casino. They try to separate you from your money by giving you chips, sort of deal. So they call it yeah. badges instead of just directly sending someone money. But you can buy a badge or whatever, and the money goes to the creators whose stream it is, whose feed it is, whatever it might be. I guess just sort of as, as Instagram's way of getting that monetization window open. So yeah. she does that, and she's nice enough to donate her badges. Um, the origin of it is kind of funny, and I, I won't mention it, but we always bring it up on the stream. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's a very generous move, and, and she knows we, we dearly appreciate her. So, yeah. Thanks, Kel. Yep. So, uh, um, yeah, go ahead, bro. No, uh, just one other thing. For the second week in a row, I'm going to be talking a uh, watch that I currently have on, which is very strange for this pod, but totally relevant. Uh, yes. This week, and probably for maybe another week or two, I have a little piece in from the good folks here at Zodiac. Super jealous. If you can see it, it's the Super Seawolf GMT. I got mm. the lime green bezel because... I love it. Yeah, you know, I, I've never really seen anything like it. And I just decided, let me... If I have a choice, I'm going to go with maybe the most out there one of all, because I'm, if I'm going to demo a watch from a company that I don't have any experiences with, I'm just going to go straight balls to the wall. Yeah, as you should. I mean, I think, you know, I was thinking about this because I know that you've been you've been spending some time with this. And again, thank you to the good friends at Zodiac for sending us over. And this is not a sponsored post or review Negative. or anything like that. It's just they wanted to, to, to have bro kind of field test this watch out and, and see what he thought. And. I think this is such a cool piece. Um, it's, I think you said it right. This is unlike any GMT I've ever seen. I mean, you have, of course, kind of the day-night indication for the bezel, but I mean, the colorway is just out there. And I know we had touched on this a few weeks back when we talked about summer watches. And I guess we were kind of uh, ahead of the curve on that. It seems like everyone's been doing their summer watch podcasts uh, recently, which is fine. Um, but uh this to me is like a perfect summer watch. I've seen you post it a few times over the last few days on various colors of straps, like unusually bright color straps. Yeah. And it looks fantastic on every single one of them. 
this is this is amazing. This is an amazing watch for sure. I've been very impressed with the way a almost visually offensive color like neon green <laughs> has meshed with the straps. Yeah. First, I threw it on a black tropic because the first day I was wearing it, my sister was getting an award and we were sort of surprising her and her, her job invited us to go there. So I was wearing a little bit nicer clothes. I didn't want to wear something so loud beyond just the green and the bezel. So I had it on a black strap and it, it did the job nicely. It, it subdued it a little bit. It was not overly noticeable. After that, I just decided to let the dog off the chain. Um, I was talking with <laughs> a couple people and somebody who I was talking with was like, dude, this is such a Miami watch. You need to throw it on an orange strap. And I was like, I think I have an orange tropic somewhere. So I put it on the orange, the orange and green. It's like you said, it just looks totally Miami. I don't know if he meant Miami hurricanes or just Miami bright colors, but either way, orange yeah, and green yeah. does the job and it looks fantastic. And I know they have pretty much the same watch with orange on it. Yeah, but to see them together was really really cool. After it's, that, yeah, it's yeah, awesome. God, it's awesome. No, I was, I'm, I just, I when I look at the website, I just, I love this watch. It's, it's something, that, it's something that you know I know has been a hit. I think they also have, if I'm not mistaken, they have a diver version of this one too. If I'm not mistaken, um, but these have, are, it's a yeah, they have a lime green sea wolf diver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So that's that's what I'm remembering. But even still. This is such a bold colorway. It's so bright. It's so vibrant. And I think that this is one thing that Zodiac does extremely well. I mean, we've talked about their kind of watermelon diver before. We've talked about the Sherbert. We've talked about the Aquamarine Dream, all these kind of funky names that they have. This one, I, I just love it. And it's funny when they were saying when you kind of had it on pink and orange, it reminds me of like Sherbert. You know, you'd go to the old grocery store and they would do like the mix of like the orange and the green and the, yep. like the watermelons. It, like that's that's what it reminds me of. I don't know why, but it just it it kind of calls me back to youth and being a kid and doing fun stuff in the summertime. And I think that's exactly what this watch should be for. So very cool. And it's a GMT. So when you travel in cool places around the world, different states, things like that, you can always keep track of that secondary time zone, which I think is fantastic. Yeah, and like you said, now I got it on the Pink Tropic, the one that I got from last year's uh, watches giveaway for Real Men Wear Pink. And, you know, it's got pretty much the watermelon look to it, similar to the one that they have that's the watermelon colorway. Yeah. But it's it's killer, man. It looks good on everything. And it, it's got, like, all the beach vibes you could imagine. And then if you want to bring it back to Earth, you just throw it on a dark color or throw it on the bracelet. You've got it back to where uh, you need it to be. But yeah, so That's far it's cool. been great. The STP movement hasn't given me any issues. Not that it should, but you know how people are. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, how, how's the how's the accuracy? How's the, you know, I mean, I know you've only had a short period of time. Has anybody noticed it on your wrist? Um, yep, yeah, a few people. I mean, more people than usual just because you get that pop of green. Like, yeah. They've been more like, what the heck is that? <laughs> As opposed to like, oh, you got, like, instead of you got a new watch, so like you're wearing a, a bright pink and green watch. And I'm like, dude, I'm driving the, the doors off this thing. So that's kind of what it yeah. is. That's but cool, yeah, no, that's I've, cool. I've got nothing but nice things to say about it. I mean, it's proportionately very good, not too thick, despite being a sort of a GMT diver combo. Yeah. 
No, I like it, man. I like it. I mean, I ha- I haven't had any real real experience with Zodiac myself. I mean, I do like their products I have for a while, but I think this is certainly very cool. I'm very jealous that you had the opportunity to kind of field test this one. So that's very 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 cool. Yeah. So shout out to Zodiac first and foremost for being, I guess, the first. I don't want to use the term big, but the first big brands to ever reach out to me for something like this. So that's greatly appreciated. And uh, shout out to the homie Mike Pearson. I mean, he's a he's I don't, for people who know him, he's a great dude. He's sort of been making the rounds. You've probably seen him. He's been on a few pods lately. He's been mm-hmm. he's been sort of spreading the gospel of what Zodiac's trying to do to take the steps to become a major player. Not that they haven't been, but really step their game up. And I talked to him. We had a, a great conversation about sort of just the the landscape and what the brand is trying to do. And uh, yeah, it's it's going to be exciting. I mean, they've got some lofty goals and we're going to see if they can, I guess, accomplish those. Well, I mean, I wish them all the best of luck. They, you know, they know they have support here. So uh, if you guys have any questions, you can always DM bro about his experience with the Zodiac. If you haven't had one yourself or haven't had time to field test one or check it out, um, give him a ring. I know he feels so many <laughs> responses anyway, but uh, it's certainly a cool one to see something that's a little bit unusual, especially in an unusual colorway, which I think is cool. So there you go. Definitely. There you go. All right, man. So um, with this being episode 30, we certainly had a new topic and uh, we had to bring something a little bit different this week. I know sometimes this gets echoed kind of around the bend if you will cross forums and different things like that but uh today's topic was really kind of inspired by i'll be honest i was looking through some some comments on watchville and different forums and different things like that and just seeing in some ways the toxicity and complaints of of the industry and what people are really kind of upset about with the overall design of timepieces um we kind of thought that maybe it would be a good episode to just hash out and air out some watch gripes some that are legitimate and some that are not so legitimate. So uh, we're going to talk about that. So, bro, do you have any uh, things that you want to add before we jump into today's conversation? Well, I'm sure people have sort of figured this out by now, but occasionally I like to almost bait the trap during the week leading up with some of my own content. And I don't know if people caught, <laughs> probably, I think it's the, Probably the latest meme I've had, but it's it's the one with Spider-Man at the desk and he's like looking to the skies as, as if something's horribly wrong from his computer. And I was talking about how, you know, you find watches you really like and then one thing just doesn't do it for you and then you can't stop thinking about it. And you're like, oh, man, I'm not I'm not not into it anymore. Right. I, I can't can't deal with it. So. I didn't exactly farm content here but i i did get a lot of responses 140 comments worth of gripes that people had with watches that they look at regularly so some of them range from really funny to really weird and i guess we'll uh we'll kind of roll through a lot of the popular ones but it was a little foreshadowing on my part and, and you and, and you got some serious funny comments on this. Oh, post. yeah, I, that that was the one thing I thought was hilarious is there were so many people that were just like just verbally dumping their complaints. So it's certainly a great place to farm uh, kind of responses to this. But it's just like it. 
I always have to appreciate how on the nose you are with certain things and just to see people's reactions. It's just, it always, it always cracks me up. So uh, I'll let you, I'll let you lead this off since you had an epic post and everyone was like, yes, this is the post of the day. Um, why don't you start us off? I think there are a few very popular ones, ones that we've probably touched on before that everybody usually goes to water resistance, mm -hmm. which we've spoke about at length. Yes. Again, I don't know how many of us are going in the water. And if you plan to, do you need to wear a watch if you're that worried? Probably not. If you, if it's going to be more spontaneous, it's raining, you're going to be maybe, I don't know, maybe you're like a field, a biologist and you're going to be out in the field or something and you're, the chances are there. So you're not so sure. I understand. But either way, even if it's 30 meters, you're probably covered, right? I mean, yeah in the the splash scenario right that's what they call like things that are 10 meter like splash proof like an iphone yeah i mean yeah water resistance is always a funny one and i actually have this one on my list as well and specifically i have you over can't 100... no you can't right and i specifically have over 100 meters of water resistance right because that seems, seems to be the to benchmark be... it's like i don't understand where this arbitrary benchmark came from uh but you know it's it's, it's always so funny to me like your watches are sealed unless you're buying something that is a quote unquote traditional dress watch, right? You look at, and we talked to last week about the, um, uh, about the Nomos club, right? Like that is a, for many people, that's probably a traditional dress watch. It's got a press fit case back. It's got a simple O-ring gasket. I think the water resistance is probably 50 meters. Like it is not really a watch that's designed to be fully submerged in water. Now, where I think things get a little tricky for people is just, hey, you know what? Don't do crazy stuff in it. It's okay. If you're right. worried about it, go buy a G-Shot. Like, I, I don't understand where this whole thing came from. And, you know, the idea of water resistance as a gripe, it's like, I, I get it. But as you pointed out, like, how many of us are actually using the watches the way that they were intended to be used? I've met people on the street that are collectors they're like, yeah, I've, I've owned a sub, but it'll never, ever see water. I mean, I, like how? How is it a thing? Like not even just like washing your hands. It's not just not going to like not even like casually wading through a swimming pool. It's just never going to see water. It's like it's almost criminal. You know, when you get to that point. So I don't know where this arbitrary thing came of 100 meters. But I'll tell you this, Jason Heaton and James Stacy and all of these other guys, you know, Cole Pennington, shout out to Cole, all these guys who are doing actual diving and stuff in their watches for content, for editorial purposes. Sometimes they're diving in watches without screw down crowns and certainly well under a hundred meters of water resistance and they're just fine. So get yeah, over it. I mean, hundred meters is 330 feet, I believe. Right. Yeah. You multiply it by three. So it's, I don't know. I, there's literally almost no reason for it, but I, it always kind of strikes me as funny when somebody's like 50 meters. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, what am I going to do? Yeah. My speed master's 50 meters. I'm where, you know, and, and, what's, <laughs> and, and what's, and what's so funny to me, and this one always comes, oh, well, it's, you know, it's the 50 meters. At least with my Daytona, I can, you know, I can wear it in the water. Like I can wear my speed master in the water too, homie. Just so you know, so everyone is clear, 50 meters and water resistance was also one of the specifications 
by NASA for their flight qualified watches. Why? Because the astronauts had to splash down into the ocean upon re-entry into the Earth. Right. Okay. Their watches need to be water resistant. Some of those astronauts found themselves in the ocean being retrieved from the capsules. Okay. It just happens. Things happen. It's okay. Your watch will be fine. I swear. I promise you it'll be fine. All right. 50 meters is more than enough. Now, maybe you don't want to go diving in it, but you sitting in a swimming pool, it's probably going to be just fine. Yeah. Again, hot tub withstanding. Yeah. I mean, again, we talked about this, you know, hot tub, sauna. Okay. Maybe you shouldn't be used. And that's even, you know, extreme diving watches shouldn't really be in those situations. Right. right. But your normal day-to-day stuff, getting caught in the rain, washing dishes, you know, washing your car. I don't know, playing in the sprinklers with your kids. Like it, it's not going to kill your watch. That's it. That's just, that's just what it is. And if you're cognizant about it, then that's it. You're going to be fine. I find, I found in my experience where this comes in to be a, a much bigger issue is people are just not cognizant of their crowns. That's where the problem comes, right? They have a watch with a non-screw down crown. They're not cognizant of it. And somehow they're rummaging through their pocket and it kind of pulls the crown out a little bit. They don't know. And they go jump in a pool. Okay. Now water's going to get inside, right? Cause it didn't lock down, but if you're mindful, if you check to make sure your crown's pushed in occasionally, you know, especially if moisture is involved, you're going to be just fine. That's it. That's just my rule of thumb. That's what I do. So. Yeah. I've always found that it's, it's people who reset their watch to take pictures of it that forget. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. People who yep. got to have it at 10 08 or whatever. Yeah. And yep. then, okay, got it over there. Got my picture. They either set it back or they forget to set it again. And all of a sudden your crown's out and no bueno. Yeah. So there you go. Water resistance. This is, that was always just one that this. It, and I mean, it's it, huge for, if you go in any, any watch comment section, whether it be micro brand all the way up, somebody's just going to be like, oh, well, this only has 30 meters. Yeah. It's a Patek dress watch. <laughs> it's a collar trauma. Like, what are you? I, I, again, yeah, it's like, or, or my favorite, it's like the Patek world timer, you know, like with the beautifully like enamel dial and everything yeah. like that has like zero water resistance. It's a traveler's watch with like zero water resistance. Like, come on, you know, but at that point in time, you know, like you have so much money, the water resistance becomes negligible. Okay. It's just what it is. You have more money than water resistance. That's fine. Yeah. And then I guess I would jump from there to probably another one I always see sort of in the in the same places is talking about movements. And that's why I, I just brought up with the STP, which is basically fossils, fossil groups answer to the Eta, Salida type of cloned yeah. move, the movement that's been cloned over and over again. Yeah. 2824-2, so just ubiquitous. ETA movement. So this is theirs. And I have friends in the microspace. One of them been on and just in talking to them and from being on forums and stuff, I've seen people talk about starting micros and usually you hear the same, um, the same lineup, the NH 35 slash 36, depending. Uh, it used to be two, eight, two, four, not anymore. Salita 200 and so on. And, for some reason, I, I think they had talked about 
the SCP having like the ever so minuscule, slightly higher fail rate of a movement after being rigorously tested, you know? So oh, okay. again, it's here nor there. It's like two watches per thousand or something like that. I can't remember what I was reading, but so that's where it was like, um, you know, people make a big deal about, oh, well, this has an STP in it, or this has like the, um, like the, we talked about the Seagull ST-19, right? Is, yeah. is a Venus clone. It's a similar idea. I've heard the same stuff. People who own them, I've never heard anything bad about them. People who theoretically have spoken on them have said, oh, well, I don't think this is a reliable movement for such and such reason. Again, I, I have no reason to believe that because I've never experienced it. Yeah. But again, I don't know who's bringing this data to the table or anything, but the forums are the forums. That's what it is. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the wild west of the Internet, right? And and who knows? I mean, somebody could be reporting that could be working for for Salida and wanting to to kind of subvert the competition. You don't know, right? I mean, somebody could be, you know, intentionally trying to, to poison the well of, of, of good intentions or, or, or hindsight for people because, you know, maybe they are the competition. I, I don't know. But nobody that I know of or have had experience with myself directly, this is my story, um, that I know that owns a Zodiac has ever had a bad experience with one. And it, whether it's an STP movement or not, I mean, it's just, you know, it doesn't matter. If a, if a mechanical movement's going to fail, it's going to fail. Like I have a wonderful Oris that I absolutely love to death and I never get to wear it because it needs a service. My SW200, for whatever reason, is having setting issues. Like I can't wind it. I can't set my date. I can't, you know, hack it correctly. And it's not from shock. It's not from age. It's not from continuous wear. Just something went wrong inside that movement that it needs a service. Yeah. So I mean, I've, I've had, I've heard people who have, who've had, I can't remember what it was. It was some Rolex and immediately mainspring failure. Like yeah. sometimes things just materials just wear out for whatever reason yeah. or manufacturing I mean, has a flaw in it. It's again, I mean, I, far I, between I of, on a large scale, yeah. but yeah, I mean, I, but I heard about this. I mean, and this wasn't even that long ago that we're having, you know, mainspring issues and, and specifically the watch that I had heard about that it was having, it was the day date, the brand new day date when they released it in, I think 40 millimeters, which maybe, I don't know, five years ago now or whatever. Yeah. But I remember the earliest versions when they were coming out with the new generation movements, you know, the 32, 35, 32, you know, th that series, the 32 series of movements that the day dates were having issues because, you know, to cycle the day and the date instantaneously at midnight takes a lot of strain and power on the mainspring. I could see that. And if you have a weakened mainspring or something that's not powered highly enough, you'll start getting a desync of the date and date switching at the same time is taking so much energy from the movement. That's why some watch movements, you'll see that they, their date kind of has a creeping date where it doesn't yeah, change right of, at midnight. A lot of Segos do that. Yeah, it's just because there's not enough power on the mainspring to keep the time and cycle the date promptly at midnight. It just it takes more time for the date to change gradually. It's a power issue. So, I mean, that was a brand new watch. that was, I don't know, what, $40,000 or close to it? in solid precious metal from Rolex and it was having movement problems. So nobody is immune from this. It just, it is what it is. Right. And then, and then going from, and I'm not just talking on a, a level of movement failures or generic movements, but also just in the sense of the different types of movements. Obviously we've spoken at length about quartz watches yeah. or mecha quartz or spring drive or what have you. 
but even I was going to bring it up with this watch because it's not a jumping hour GMT. It's what you know people oh, okay. refer to as the caller GMT, which again yeah. can serve the exact same purpose. You just can't jump the hour hand. And if you need to do it instantaneously, just use the bezel. It's got a 24 hour bezel on it. <laughs> you know, if you really need to, to know the, the time yeah. somewhere yeah. immediately. But again, it's it's the same thing with when I was talking about like the ever so small numbers of movement patterns and things it at some point it becomes splitting hairs and that's what yeah. i think a lot of gripes within watches is is splitting hairs right we're talking oh, about 100 50 to 100 wa uh, meter water resistance right 50 not so good 100 oh, okay i can live with that even though again that 50 meters is almost irrelevant to everybody who's going to wear one of these right absolutely and again um What's another one? Oh, ghost state movements, right? People hate the ghost state movement. And I get it. You could easily just take it right out. And that was actually one of mine that was a, it? that was, yeah. that was, it was one of mine, but it was one of the ones that for me made sense. Okay. So I got, I've got this on the doesn't bother me too much because, yeah, I'm going to hear it click. But like at the end of the day, is it really going to affect my enjoyment of the watch? I don't think so. No. I don't think so, but uh, I mean, in, in the grand scheme of things, for me, the way that I looked at it, since we're already talking about it, the way that I looked at it, it was just from a person who's not familiar with watches that it could pose problems from a winding setting position issue okay. where they just they don't know what they're doing and they don't know that there is a phantom, you know, date, you know, where there's not a date there, but it's engaging in the movement. Uh, so I think that that would be more so my gripe personally and why that one makes sense. It's just like if I don't have any prior experience with watches and I don't know that that's a thing, then I could potentially damage what I'm dealing with. Right. OK, I, that that makes a lot of sense. Right. Kind of like how they tell you not to set, you know, to uh, change your date between nine and four or whatever. Yeah. Right. Similar idea. So I, I can understand from a, a newbie perspective or somebody who's unfamiliar, I could I could see where that could come up as an issue as opposed to somebody who's like the sound of the snapping at midnight really upsets me. Like, are you even around your watch at midnight? Really, though, to hear no. the, the only not. person is, is, is a psychopath like me that never takes their watches off. And like, yeah, I mean, like, I you know, like, but I'm like, like, oh, my gosh. My watch without a date cycle. Like that's the <laughs> dumbest thing. There's so many other problems to worry about that I'm just like, seriously? And here's the thing. You know, what are the types of watches that have those phantom dates? They're the ones that are usually the more inexpensive. Yes. Because I mean, they have they're more affordable. That's to to take out that feature and give you a no date watch. It's going to cost the manufacturer more money, which is more money that you don't want to have to spend. So you can't have your cake and eat it too. There's always going to be a concession here. And the concession is we're going to give you a lower cost movement, which is going to keep the, re the retail cost of what we're producing lower, but you're going to have a phantom date. Like, and if you're a watch collector, you probably have another watch. Like, is this really, really that big of a gripe, honestly? Or is this just another thing, as you mentioned before, splitting hairs? Cause that's what it is for me. Like, is it an annoyance? Sure. But when I look at my watch box, I got 30 watches back there. I'm just like, maybe one of them has a phantom date set. Like, is it really that much of a problem for me? No, it's not. Maybe it just means that that watch gets a little bit less rotation. I don't, know. but since we were talking about splitting hairs, one of the, one of the ones that I, that I personally came across that was funny. And it was funny because 
I sent it to you earlier this week that kind of prompted the conversation for this episode, but it was also echoed in your comments on your post recently. I'm not surprised. And yeah, exactly. It, it, this is but it's so it's how ludicrous it really is. So um, I'm sure many people that that listen to this this podcast are, are familiar with who this person is. But you know, there's a very famous YouTuber out there. His name's Teddy, and he did a review of something. I forget exactly what it was, but he mentioned the the Omega Constellation Globemaster, right? I love this watch. I own the watch personally. It's a fantastic timepiece. It was the first one for Omega to introduce Master Chronometer. Came back all the way in 2015. Uh, and it's a 39 millimeter watch. Beautiful size. Someone literally commented <laughs> in the comments that this was a no for them. But if it was a 38, then they would buy it. And I'm sitting here and I was like, can the brain even perceive 38 millimeters versus 39 millimeters? I could see if it was 42, 44. Exactly. And you're like, I would really love this in 38. (laughs) Yes. But I was like, I'm I'm literally thinking to myself, I'm like, this is a 39, which for many years, and you'll remember that you'll back me up on this. For many years, everyone was like, 39 is the sweet spot. Yeah, that Remember was the, all the, the gold o- standard for a hot minute. Yeah, I mean, like all the OPs were coming out in 39. Explorer. All the, uh, the Explorer was in 39. Like everything was in 39. And like that was for so many people the sweet spot because 38 was still a little bit on the smaller side. And, you know, 40, 42 was, you know, the danger zone for being too big. So Omega, like many brands, because keep in mind, this watch came out in 2015. It's not a brand new release. 2015. No. Okay. It came out in 39. That was a long time ago in the watch world. And now we were like, well, you know, if it was a 38, that's when that's when Omega would get my money. If it was a 38. And I just remember sitting this like looking at this comment. I'm like, is this even real? Is this a troll comment? And then somebody literally commented, and I saw this happen in real time. You know, when you see that post, all of a sudden like it refreshes and you're like, oh, and there's like another post. And I saw this and I was like, someone said, yeah, same, bro. 38 for me. I'm like, so there's more of you out there. That's <laughs> <laughs> just like, you're, you're, you're multiplying. How deep point. does this hole go? <laughs> I, I just, I, I'm just, I, I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, can this even be real? Like no, that 39 is a real thing. versus 38. That's a real it's, thing. And it goes both directions. Okay. I've, I have people. Who again in in the comments section? Forty is way too small. Yeah, I don't wear anything under forty four because it's a toy. Yeah, and then people same. I I feel <laughs> you, bro. And I listen. I understand there are different size humans out there. I I sure. get that. But uh, you know, uh, your grandfather. Somebody always chimes in with your grandfather used to wear a thirty two. You know, and he was a tougher guy than you. So. <laughs> I mean, but it, but, but they're not wrong. Okay. Like, like they're not wrong, but it's, it always, it always was something that I found so absolutely silly because I guarantee you in real life situation, if I met that guy and I showed him my globe master and I told him it was a 38 millimeter that 100% he would believe me that it's a 38 millimeter because the brain can't even perceive that it's, it's physically impossible. So uh, yeah, I just thought that was hilarious. And, and for me, as somebody who owns that watch, 
I was a little offended. So like, we, need, <laughs> we need to talk about this because for those of you who are not familiar with the Globemaster, you need to be. It's an amazing watch, but it came out several years ago now. It's it's an older watch. It's okay. I had something I was going to say. It was very relevant. Now it's escaping me. But yeah, it's uh, it's very interesting on on levels like that. And again, you're down you're down to splitting hairs. But it's it's one thing I've always realized that even if the numbers look really good on paper, I've I've had watches that I'm like, this thing is going to wear so great, or this is going to be right yeah right in my sweet spot. And I've tried it on. I'm like, ah, not that sweet. So you know, lug to lug thickness. And uh, this comes up for me later, but the, these things all play a big role. It's not just the the diameter of the watch. And especially for me with blank space on dials and things, sometimes I can do it, sometimes I can't. Like yeah. for some reason, all the blank space in the world on a Panerai dial doesn't offend me. But when I have a smaller watch and there's a ton of negative space and it's just a gaping hole, it bothers me. And it's just watch to watch. It's not necessarily there's no formula for it. It's just the eye, you know, it's, it's pleasing yeah. to the eye or it's not. And so that, I guess it's just, there's just a ton of subjectivity. There's not, there's no real formula for every, one that's good for everybody. Absolutely. But my, my advice to that has always been go try the damn thing on. Like, that's just what it is. Go, go try the thing on. If you're, if you're so adamant that somehow this one additional millimeter on this globe master is going to make you not want to buy the watch, at least give it the benefit of the doubt to put it on your wrist. Cause then you'll know you'll truly know, but there's so many internet keyboard warriors out there that are just going to be like, you know what? Yeah, it's a 39 based on specs. And you know, I just, I, I don't, I don't wear anything above 38, you know, 38 is a sweet spot. I'm like, okay, well, you know, you're missing out on something truly special. You know, so just at least go give it the benefit of the doubt. Would I ever wear a Panerai? Sure. I'd wear a 44 millimeter Panerai. Am I going to wear a 47? No, but I would at least give it the opportunity to be tried on and worn to see maybe what all the fuss is about. Right. When I tried a lot it on, of time, my, my buddy had a big pilot and I tried it on and I thought, is this going to be ludicrously big? Yeah. I put it on. I said it wears surprisingly better than I thought. I said, I still don't think it's for me, but better than but you i can imagined at least understand at, yeah better than i imagined you know? at 47 millimeters <laughs> yeah and again you know is is that the is that the big pilot that i would go with Nah, i'd probably go for you know just a traditional pilot at you know 41 42 whatever the sizes are now but i would at least give it the opportunity to to woo me if you will yeah you know i think so many people are so quick to write off you know watches based on specs and things and maybe that's another gripe is just not giving things the benefit of the doubt, not giving them the opportunity to be to be cool and just completely writing it off based on specs or based on what other people on the Internet, the collective hive mind have told you is not the right size or whatever. Especially all you newbie collectors out there. Go go experience it for yourself. Yeah, you definitely have to make your own rules. That's one thing I have found out. And stand by completely is that you have to make your own rules. You can't go by Absolutely. anybody else's sort of dogmatic rules, I, mean, it's an I guess. Approach. Just, yeah. It's approach, approach is a good word. Yeah. Dogmatic yeah, approach. Approach to things. What else you got? I got a good I know, one. I know. I got a good I one that, that you're going to be happy with because it's, it's a popular gripe. And it's one that I always kind of laugh at. And it's the need 
for a sapphire crystal. Oh, <laughs> you know, I didn't even think about this one. I don't know why, but I mean, you're so true. I mean, first, you know, foremost, where I line up on this. First and foremost, hashtag Hezzy Boys. Second hashtag of all, <laughs> Boys for sure, for life. Second of all, th- there are. There's a give and take. There's positives and negatives to having Sapphire, right? Sapphire shatters, but it doesn't scratch very much. Acrylic mineral scratches, but can be buffed out. And it is not going to shatter the same way Sapphire will, right? right. From so from sort of an awkward blow, if you will. Well, it's and, and a lot of people don't even realize that Sapphire doesn't even have to be awkward. It can literally just be a direct impact. Like if I took my Sapphire crystal and I caught it at the right angle on that's a what desk, I'm saying. It's going to explode because Sapphire is very strong against abrasion, right? So lateral back and forth type impacts direct impacts it's going to explode it it's going to make it explode it's like if you think about a um like the safety car glass in your in your uh, in your car right if you hit it with your fist really hard it's going to be pretty resistant now you take a glass breaker and you hit it just right it's going to just shatter the whole entire thing right that's the same thing with sapphire and the thing that, that a lot of people don't realize when it comes to sapphire is once it shatters, it can do extreme damage to the watch. We're talking, you know, scratch dials. We're talking, you know, sapphire when it when it explodes because it does explode. It micro fragments. That's we're talking, the issue. Yeah. We're talking slivers of the second hardest substance behind diamonds, literally working their way underneath the movement dial into the movement and literally getting yeah. ground up in those by, gears. Oh God. It's, it's horrible. And that's why I was like, well, you know, I broke my Sapphire crystal immediate full service immediately because this could actually cut cavities in the movements. It could rip teeth off the gears. It can be horrible inside a watch movement. So I mean, Sapphire is very good for, for those day-to-day, you know, side bumps and grinds. But when it comes to, when it comes to, you know, direct impacts, surprisingly, acrylic is always going to be better. Right. It's I mean, it's less it, likely to break. Sapphire takes really nice pictures. The clarity is very nice because you're not going to yeah. get that abrasion, but it's not without its drawbacks. Everything has limitations. Everything has limitations. And, and, and I've heard this a lot too with like ceramics and things like, oh, you know, ceramics. Same, ceramics. I'm like, I'm like, I've always asked this to people back in the day. People used to come into our store and they would buy ceramic watches. They would look at buying ceramic watches like, well, what if I drop it? And I was like, <laughs> do, you drop, do you drop all of your watches? Well, no, I would never do that. So why would this be any different? <laughs> and, they, and they always look at you with that face like, you know, I didn't. Valid about that. Like I, I at one point I remember I, this is kind of a funny story. At one point I remember talking to a guy, and and I it he was holding a baby. Oh and I god! Just, I I just straight I just straight up said to him I was like he's like what if I drop it I was like do you drop your kid? <laughs> and he looked at me like absolutely mortified. I was like he's like well I would never do that. I said okay. So as long as you're cognizant <laughs> about what is in your hands, you're probably not going to drop it. And he goes, yeah, that's kind of a good point. I'm like, like, I'm not, I'm not, it's not trying to be a gotcha. It's just like sometimes people need to reevaluate where your line of thinking is coming from. 
you know, like someone's like, well, you know, if, you know, if I, if I, you know, you know, drop my, my, my steel watch, it's not going to break. Yeah. But it's probably going to have a massive dent in the side of the case. Enjoy your service. Still probably going to need a service. <laughs> okay. So maybe it didn't crack, but the entire structural integrity of the case has been altered. Where now, you know, the pivots are broken inside the movements encountered extreme shock. It's going to need to be serviced anyway. So what's the trade-off, right? It's all relative. Everything is limitation. It's funny. I used to sort of use that excuse before I became a dad. My wife used to try to get me to hold people's babies. And I was like, no, I was like, cause if I drop it, I'm going to just leave an embarrassment. So I was yeah. like, I'll hold it. She's like, well, what about what you have? And I said, yes, but that will be mine. So <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, it's for all of you people out there who are not parents like it's totally different when it's your own kid like i i get i pick up my daughter i'm like swinging her around you know like crazy and it's like when somebody else's kid it's like radioactive you know you you don't want you don't want to mess it up it's so funny yeah don't drop your babies or your ceramic watches all right there's that yeah that's good advice uh (laughs) should be a a t-shirt Hezzy boys for life. Don't drop your babies or your ceramic tie pieces. Don't drop your babies. It'll just have a baby and a watch. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. You heard it here first. Uh, Another good one I have is obviously date windows. We're not, we're no way we're going to get out of this without talking about date windows. It's literally number two on my list. So 430 date, four o'clock date, four. four, I'm surprised. I was surprised four o'clock crown got a lot of shade. Really? I think that's convenient, to be honest. It's out of the way. Okay. Yeah, I've never had an issue with the four o'clock crown, ever. I mean, I, I will say this. I will say this. When I first started getting into watches, it was odd. You know, like it was just kind of uh, unusual. It's not a right angle. I get it. But, you know, for me, it was one of those things that made it kind of cool. From like a newbie standpoint, it's like, oh yeah, look at my look at my crown. It's at the it's, a, it's at the four o'clock. Because I remember in college when I got my first Seiko diver, and it was a watch I wore all through college, through frat parties, do all the you know schoolwork that I was doing, all the you know jobs and stuff that I was doing on campus, things like that. I wore that watch for literally everything, and people always asked me, why is my crown at four o'clock? And it was just like, well, it just doesn't get in the way. And it's one of those things. It's kind of synonymous with Japanese diving watches. And it was just like, it was always kind of a cool thing to talk about because people notice it and they would want to ask you about it. So for me, I always thought it was just kind of like, this is like one of those little sticks, you know, that you get in the watch yeah. world. You're like, yeah, my, my, my crown's at 4, 4.30 or 4 o'clock, you know, whatever it is. I mean, it could be a Bell and Ross at like 12.30. Right, yeah, twelve thirty date. You know, I mean, it, there's crazier stuff out there, but it, I mean, it, as long as it's done right, it can be somewhat endearing. You know, I think it's kind of cool. Yeah, you know, and it's funny because I never hear anybody complain about the sort of mid offset dates on things like the German watches, like your glass shooters or the uh, yeah. ALS. Right, nobody yeah. cares about the big date that's kind of offset in a weird spot. But it's it's stylistically it's, very good, pleasing to the eye. But nobody's ever like, "Wow, this is out of position." Yeah, it's because it's a big date, bro. Okay, yeah. it's an extra complication. It's an extra complication. It's a big date. All right. People you know what's funny? So is, weird. What's funny is the GOs. I, if you notice, actually, the 
the dates are on the same plane, the ALS has one above the other. If you ever looked at the 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 date, the two really? numerals, the two numerals, one yeah, yeah. will be above the other on ALS and on GEO, I believe, at least in their newer ones, they're flat, which I thought was interesting for considering not that they are they are a lesser company but in comparison i think yeah. people would say they are the lesser of the two yeah for sure for sure that's interesting you know as much as i i don't know I'm just not an als fan it's not for everybody i it's i, I, not, I that love it for... not that they're comparable to panerai but it's in that idea that if you like it you love it and if you don't it is not for you by any stretch yeah yeah i mean I, I i i love it for other people would i would i own one sure but i would literally own a saxonia and that was it yeah like that to me is just like that's it i don't want a data graph i don't want any of these crazy complications and all these things it's just like it's just not me i can appreciate them i like them for other people they look amazing on other people just if i was going to do it it would literally just be a saxonia and that's it just literally time nothing else just give me the basic, basic. Like I, I really don't like the Odysseus. I think it's, I think it's honestly an ugly watch. I'm not a fan opinion. of that. I'm not a fan of that watch. Just, I mean, you and I, you and I share a lot of similarities in style and taste when it comes to timepieces. But it's just, I mean, I, I can appreciate it. I know it's intricately well made. All of these things. I mean, it's a, it's an, it's an Elang and Zona. I mean, like, come on, let's, let's be honest here. But it's just not for me at all. So there you go off topic about dates but i mean dates is always gonna be a funny one and, and it feels like there's never consistency in the camp you know it's either like you're four dates or then you're not for dates or but you're then you're four dates only at three o'clock but then you're not but then you're four dates sometimes only at six, six or, is cool yeah <laughs> it's like like i don't understand and, and, you know and then people are like well 4 30 dates are cool if the numerals right side upwards and not you know tilted to the outward you know like to to match the the outside yep. track of the, it's just like i how can you win how can you win and I've, i think i've mentioned this before i have a i have a buddy of mine who's a uh who has this running joke that there's a lot of frustrated watch designers out there oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. he's like man he's like man there's a lot of uh there's a lot of watch designers out there who haven't gotten their their their, their proper date placement i was like you know i'd love to see you do this you know and, and we kind of got some of that insights too with uh with your friend, you know, with the I was going to say you stuff. do have to take movement into account, right? Absolutely. Because it's it's in a spot already, and you have to configure your watch to that. And if you don't, then you're going to spend a lot of money to reconfigure it to make it how you want it or the color that you want. And that was actually one of the things that I had uh, to follow up with this. There we go. I was going to go. Was there. uh was date disc color color match date wheels? Yes. I you know for me. I can see the appeal of this, but for me, I only find it really cool when it's in a, a, a very unusual color dial. Yeah. Like you do something like a turquoise and you do like a turquoise date disc. Like that's kind of cool. But um, like my wife, she just got a new, uh, a new Speedmaster. She got the Speedmaster 38 with the, with an ice blue dial. And I love this watch for her. It's, it's an amazing watch. She's been wanting one for years, um, but it has a traditional, you know, white date, but, the rest of the markers around the dial are white in color where it's not going to be off-putting. So I think no, sometimes you don't need to do a color match because it, it it's an aesthetic choice 
the designers purposely did not do a color match. They could have, you know, maybe it wasn't an, an extra hundred dollars in the grand scheme of a $5,000 Omega. But at the end of the day, sometimes you don't do it because you lose the aesthetic that you're going for rather than gaining, you know, kind of the collector aesthetic. You know what I mean? Plus, I don't know about you, but sometimes those color match dates are actually kind of hard to read. Yep. Because I can't see them in contrast to the dial. You know, and that's the thing that everyone is like, oh, yeah, well, they, they went the extra mile. They did a, a four screen color date with gray text. I'm like, yeah, I can't read it. <laughs> so what, what, what would I rather have? Would I rather have a date I can see or a date that's matched to the dial so it blends in? In that case, Therefore, do you really want a date? <laughs> exactly. At that point, <laughs> get a no date, right? But this is, this is why it's such, a, it's such a frivolous and trivial thing. You know, so much of this, like it's, it's worthless talking about it. Because ultimately, it's like, guys, we're never going to please anybody. These designers are not going to please you. Somebody's going to like a 4.30 date. Somebody's going to like a 6 o'clock date. I've even seen somebody's like, yeah, divers are only ones that should have 6 o'clock dates. I'm like, who made you the date king? Like, Sounds why? like a Rolex. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> like, like hey, right? The date king. Oh, God, we better patent that name before they make a new model, right? Done. This is the new... Uh, uh, Watches and wonders 2023 Rolex date king. I'm like, oh geez, here we go. Hey, maybe it'll be like their first perpetual calendar watch, or something. <laughs> their first new watch in like I don't know 10 years. Um, yeah, there you go. Well, it, I'm gonna I'm gonna be mind blown if something happens where the date king becomes becomes a watch. No, you know what it'll be? It'll be one of those, it'll be one of those brands that likes to use sort of similar to Rolex type of names that'll do that. And I'm not talking um I'm not talking like Steinhardt. I'm talking like uh again, not that they take their names, but they they make sort of those same like uh I don't know what you even call them, but they have those Rolex type names, like kind of like Manta. I can okay. see I can see the Manta Date King. I, you know what? Maybe you're right. <laughs> the Traska Date King. There you go. There you go. We just made a new Rolex. We'll see. We'll see it flood the flood the social media feeds this week, and we'll see what's up with the Rolex Date King. Watch, somebody's gonna come in right now at this at this at this one part in the podcast. Like, wait, did Rolex make a new watch called the Date King? I need to Google Rolex Date King. I'm gonna have to make a a stupid mock up and throw it out there now. Yes, you you should. You should absolutely do that. You should absolutely do that. For people who haven't listened this long in the podcast, you should totally do that. Um, yeah. So again, so I think we're kind of on the same consensus with, with date disc color, right? This is sometimes it's cool. Sometimes it's not necessary and illegible and difficult to read and all that good stuff. All right. So I think at this point we should probably transition to, I don't want to call them legitimate gripes, but gripes that make a little more sense to either one of us. We're in some of these, again, we've talked about them as splitting hairs. But the place I find that these come into play is more when you are doing a comparison or okay. or you're maybe weighing a few options to buy or you're just in an argument with some douche on the Internet. <laughs> right now is the time to split your hairs. Yes, yes, yes. When I have to reinforce my argument to drive it home and crush you on the Internet. So I'm going to so pull out all so the I can, spec sheet. So I can close the app with vigor and hold my head high. No. Uh, <laughs> Throw your phone ceremoniously on the table. <laughs> it's funny. I was listening to somebody do a bit recently. They're like, I miss pay phones. You know why? 
Because when you got mad at somebody at the payphone, you could slam the crap out of that thing. What are you doing now? What are you doing now? You're pushing the button furiously. And I was dying. It was so good. You know, that's actually true. I mean, and it was, and that was too back then when you see see somebody slam a payphone, like you knew you stay away from that guy because he's he's having a bad day right now. It's crazy. It's crazy. I miss the good old days. Sometimes the, the old ways were the better ways. All I could think of was Pesci and Goodfellas beating the guy with the, or Casino, sorry, beating the guy with the phone. Did you say that? And I'm just, I was just yeah. laughing. It was so funny. Yeah, 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 baby. I did say that. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> All right. Um. So one I touched on before, again, is sort of the, it ties into the size griping, but for me, it's it has to do with proportionality. And I think this is where, a lot of people mistake a gripe with size for a gripe with things just not being appropriately proportionate to the others. Oh, yeah. Like this so is a good for, one, actually. So, for example, when something has, based on the different type of watch, you're going to have a different, I guess you'd say, size or width of a bezel, right? A case, a dial, right? Like for example, right. your Doxa has a small dial compared to the case. Yes. Right. Yes. It's all case and bezel, small dial. Whereas you have other watches like Nomos, huge, almost all dial. Two very different approaches to a watch. Absolutely. And Absolutely. Whereas, meanwhile, the Nomos is a much smaller watch. The Dox is bigger than it, but side by side, these watches might be much closer in size than I think, even though they are not. Yes. Now, yes. that's not to say one of those is better than the other, but in certain cases where you look at a watch and you 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 don't necessarily it doesn't jive with you visually and you're saying this is unappealing for some reason, I think a lot of times for me it has to do with either the way things are arranged on a dial, the proportion of the pieces mm-hmm. of the watch as a whole or just again, the arrangement of the text, the arrangement of a date window in in that regard, I understand is that Maybe it's throwing the, I don't know, the feng shui of the dial out of whack. Whereas somebody might just say, oh, you know, they see a crowded dial and they're like, this dial is too small or this watch is too small for me. And that's not the case. It's just your eye is picking it up that way because of those factors. Yeah. And, and do you know, for me, the, the one that's really kind of the case study of this uh, when it comes to really proportionality is the Rolex Datejust 2. Are you familiar okay. with this watch? Yes, I understand. I know exactly where you're going with this. This watch, and for those of you who may not be familiar with the Rolex Datejust 2, when you look at this watch in comparison to like a standard Datejust, everything looks out of whack because it is. Yep. Um, for those of you who are not familiar with the history of the Datejust 2, this came out kind of in the mid to late 2000s, and it was really a way for Rolex to kind of appeal to a market of gentlemen and buyers at that time that were looking for a larger date just watch and there really wasn't one out there and so they kind of came out with the date just two which i think was either a 40 or a 41 millimeter case diameter if i'm not mistaken definitely bigger than your typical date just definitely bigger by a lot than the than the standard you know 36 millimeter that had been you know popular for many 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 decades but what was so interesting about the date just two was it basically used the same crown size the same handset and like a fat bloated fluted bezel on some of the models or a fat bloated, you know, kind of polished bezel, depending on which model you got, but everything just felt out of proportion. 
like just visually you looked at the, the 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 markers on some of the ones that had like the regular kind of baton markers yeah and they were just like fat rectangles with these little tiny stumpy hour minute and second hand and then you had the little tiny minuscule crown on the side it's just like everything felt awkward about this watch and so you know quite promptly you know a few years later the watch was pretty much discontinued because it it just was a designer's disaster you know from rolex's standpoint so they very quietly you know rolled it away and they replaced it with the datejust 41 which yes. became the new version of it right but at that point they had fixed all the proportionality issues and it became more of just a larger datejust rather than like a large date just with awkwardly small date just features, if that makes sense. It looks like it looked like the date just went through puberty, where <laughs> not everything is on the same plane and it's hasn't caught up. It it has a weird growth spurt where the arms are getting really long, but the legs are still short and they haven't shot up in height. That's yet. what I'm saying. It yeah, it's, it's the it's teenage just an date odd just. watch. <laughs> it's an it's an odd watch, and for those of you who've never seen one, go Google it. You'll immediately see what I'm talking about. It just it feels weird. And this was also carried over too for the first um I think it was the first run of the the Explorer 1s in 39 millimeters. Like they still had the hands from like the 36 millimeters and they were like they called them like T-Rex arms or like they were like shorty yeah. hands. Yep. I just that and is people a like, watch. Oh, it's, it's collectible. I'm like, "No, it looks horrible. I'm that sorry." Is, that is my case study for this is I I think the Explorer 1 is a 36 millimeter watch the whole yeah. way. I never liked it in 39 those extra 3 millimeters for me. That's exactly what I'm talking about with just a little bit of extra dial space, a little bit of just bigger aesthetic. It really threw that watch off for me and I know that's a collectible model. A lot of people like the 39. I guess a lot of people who don't enjoy 36 millimeter watches enjoy it but for me that is a 36 millimeter watch through and through and yeah the, i would with, agree with you and with regard to the date just two, for all the things you just said you also have to take into consideration that it basically followed up one of the more beautifully proportionate watches that have been, ever been made in yeah. the original date just so like <laughs> complete dumpster fire on all fronts there <laughs> that's right i mean you think about it, it's literally when people you ask somebody to draw like an archetypal watch it's usually some amalgamation of what a date just would look like i mean basically and then for them to back it up with this and call it the second generation it's no question why it was promptly discontinued and relegated to the to the trash bin at rolex because it's just it's horrible there's a there's somebody that I know that has one and he's kind of a jerk. So it's <laughs> fine. I'll talk about him on this podcast. Um, I remember I, I used to be affiliate when, when I was back in sales and and this guy would uh, would be the hot shot wearing his date just too. And I was like, man, that watch just looks so bad. And it was just like it was fat and thick and it just like it, it just was so. Oh, it was bloated, but it was like, you know what? That's the right watch for you, buddy. That's it. The Rolex date just two. Shout out all of our Rolex date just two fans out there. <laughs> don't DM me. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> don't DM me. You're off limits. You're off limits. Oh, man. Oh, man. Hmm. So this is one that I that I had. I mean, uh, if I if I can step in here for a moment. With regards to 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 uh, 
real gripes. I think this is one that's that certainly will be more of an issue as years go on. Um, but for me, I think one of the biggest gripes that I find for for watches in general right now is just what's going to happen with parts as as years go on and people are investing money in the micros and things like that. Like, what is the serviceability going to be for some of these brands? And I think this is a legitimate gripe because as consumers, as collectors, like, you know, we're sold this bill of goods that we'll be able to have these watches forever. And they're your, you know, they're your items, they're heirloom pieces. You can pass them down generation to generation. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pass my Halios down to my daughter. You know what I mean? Like, is Halios even going to be around? Is somebody going to be able to fix it? Are there going to be parts for this watch? Like I mean, maybe somebody can fix the movement. Right. Can People some... could service the Miyota, I believe it is. But yeah. But well, like who's going to fix my hands dial? Or, yeah. <laughs> like and I and I ran into this one time. Um, I think I maybe told the story when we first got started 30 episodes ago um, about a Unimatic that I own. And I mm. had one of the first generation Unimatics. Houdinki did a big, big article on it. And uh, I had a I had a good friend of mine that that knew I wanted it. And so he just bought it for me. And gave it to me as a gift, which was something that I that I really do cherish. And at one point, I was wearing it diving. Well, I should say I wasn't wearing it diving. My wife was wearing it diving, and she she scratched it into a coral reef, Oof. and she just she just crashed out the bezel. Which you know, fine, it's whatever. It's a dive bezel. It's a dive watch. It's aluminum. Like, what are you what are you gonna what are you gonna do? It wasn't the end of the world. But I remember DMing Unimatic, and I was like, hey, you know, this happened. You know, what's the cost that I could do to get a replacement bezel for this? And they're like, well, we 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 don't have that. Yeesh. I was like, what do you mean you don't? I was like, well, we we produce our watches in runs. So once the run is over, like, that's it. So I was like, well, <laughs> how do I get a new bezel? Like, well, you could send it back. I was like, I'm going to send it back to Italy to maybe try to get it. I was like, this is not worth it. Like, well, you could take it to a local watchmaker and have them. I'm like, I'm not in a place where there's any competent watchmakers that I could trust to fix this. Like, it's just not going to be a thing. Like, okay, well, thank you for buying a Unimatic. And that was kind of the end of the conversation. Like, what it was at that point, I'm like, wow, like, what would somebody else do? Like, what if this movement needs service? What if the case needs to be refinished? Like, what are they going to do for you? What is the after service care when this thing stops working? Are these brands going to be around to facilitate care? You know, that's, yeah, that's the thing that blows my mind. That's very real. So I, I somebody posted this as a gripe and, and I, and I felt that we had to talk about it because it, it, it's a legitimate one. I think it's certainly something to be concerned with. Like what is the longevity of these brands? And, you know, these are all cool hype watches to own now, but what's going to happen later when, they either go under, they cease production, or they scale back production. They don't have parts availabilities anymore. Pieces were made off a Kickstarter campaign, and they're one of ones, you know, basically. <laughs> like, I mean, I mean, honestly, like, you know, this is a real thing. So, there you go. Yeah, no, that's very real. And I, I always kind of think about that when I'm buying new stuff. I'm like, all right. You know, people say... Well, you know, you get such bang for buck or whatever, and you're like, well, especially nowadays, I don't know what the financial stability of a lot of these companies are. So, yeah, I mean, you saw you saw what happened to our uh, to those uh, the guys in in Canada. You heard about this, right? Which it was a it was a it was basically like a warehouse, 
where there was like a I can't I can't remember which watch brand it was, but um, their their basically their warehouse caught fire and like oh, burned everything God. to the ground, like everything to the ground. And it wasn't just like them. There was like a multi business thing inside that were like all different watch companies or strap companies. I forget exactly who it is. Somebody will will probably DM us about it or or, or message us about it. Um, but it was a pretty prolific watch company that's a micro and their entire stock their entire literally everything burnt to a crisp because it was like a historic building and like i guess i don't know it was like a faulty wiring issue or something happened and yeah. it just one day to the next gone Jeez. so like what do you do then yeah at that point they're probably i don't know i don't know if they will but at that point like do they just fold up and call it a day and you're just sol yeah so i mean it, it's 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 crazy i mean literally one day to the next anything can happen i mean tr truly so you know my heart goes out to them I, i've been seeing it kind of you know teased a little bit and i'm not teased is not the right word but you know showcase a little bit here and there especially from from like the canadian watch crew you know community out there um they were talking about it and i was like oh this is this is rough. I don't wish that on anybody. Except you, Bell and Ross. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with your 1230 <laughs> dates, you psychopaths. For who's gonna record, wear this I, multi who's gonna wear this multimeter when they're working out? Like, uh, <laughs> I need to I need to track my efficiency at my steps. I told you I'm still waiting for my Bell and Ross sponsorship because half of their reference numbers are BR0. I mean, come I on. I know, dude. Bro. Talk about being on the nose. I know. Well, maybe after that comment, they, they might not give us anything. It's okay. I said I was just kidding. <laughs> it makes up for everything. It does. You could always you could also add in, you know, with all due respect and then say whatever <laughs> negative comment you have Yo. to say. <laughs> with all due respect. Um, your multimeter sucks, <laughs> but I did say with all due respect, right? I, I had a friend who went to a local school and he was dorming and they had a problem with the dorm. I can't remember what it was, but it was, I guess it was kind of unfinished. It was a new dorm and, or something, or they would just renovated it and something was very not up to snuff. And he posted this funny note on the wall and it was like all his gripes about what was wrong. And then it was, it was directed to the whoever it is, the Dean of Housing or whatever. And then at the bottom, he goes, with all due respect, F you. And his AD took it and sent it. <laughs> he got kicked off campus. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but it was oh like his tagline for the longest time. With all due respect, dot, 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 <laughs> F you. <laughs> oh, see, it makes it all better when you add with all due respect, you know. Hold on, I'm going to let you finish, but uh, with all due respect. He yeah, listens occasionally, so, so that'll be good. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. I hope your college experience got better after that. No, he went to a different school after that. It's fine. Oh, okay. Hey, yeah. Well, there you go. Hey, with oh, all okay. due respect, F those guys, right? You know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you got any other ones, bro? Um. Yeah, I guess I'll just rip off a few. I know this is getting a little long, but uh, drilled lugs is a, is a big one. Right. Okay. A, lot of, a lot of people say, why can't every watch? I mean, listen, I know it's not for every single watch, but most watches could use drilled lugs for the sake of yeah. save, saving your lugs, for the sake of easy strap changing. Yeah. I know the uh, 
these sort do you, of do you know change. why though do you know why they got rid of Joe Lugs? Well, I mean, I know it's not ideal for case integrity long term, but I don't know if that's the reason. It's it's more so to do with refinishing. Okay. Because as you that. start as you start to start polishing down, like you can actually wear the metal down to it's, where the hole is. It's another sharp edge to worry about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just like it is it gonna be something that happens, you know, within decades? Probably not. And now with the new technology, I mean, people can literally laser weld metal together. Yeah, that's like wild. every time I I mean, every time I bump something, I'm like, yeah, some guy who can laser weld it. This is fine. You know, I was like, have you seen that guy? Um, he does all the Grand Seiko, King Seiko stuff. I think he's like uh, Lopinist or something like that. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. Lopinist. I mean, the guy The guy is literally a magician with case refinishing. Somebody like that can refinish my Speedmaster. I think I'll be okay. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. They could probably refinish it better than Omega can refinish it. Like, that's, I mean, that's, let's just be honest here. They're laser welding, so it's fine. But, you know, back then that wasn't really a consideration. So a lot of a lot of uh, watch brands started moving away from drilled lugs because it wasn't about the convenience of changing straps. Because keep in mind that people didn't used to do this. It was and more so care. about the case. <laughs> yeah, it was more about the case integrity and, and the reliability of the watch cases. That's why Rolex is over the years got beefier on their lugs because um, and I know this because a Rolex watchmaker told me during training that people were refinishing their Rolexes at such a high rate that the original case designs were literally getting basically, you know, polished away. I was going to say, if anybody's polishing their watches, it is probably people who own Rolexes and don't know that original condition is better. Correct. So you have these people who notice, an, oh, my Rolex has an imperfection. I better get this polished. Correct. The next thing you know, they're eating away at all the metal. Yeah. That's why all the lugs got a little fatter. Yep. You know, when they started going to ceramics and things like that, it's because people were literally polishing their cases into nothing. Which is kind of wild if you think about that today. It's very wild. Yeah. It's but insane. that's also why there's so many poor examples out there. Yeah. Right? All over polished I mean, cases, right? I mean, you can and you're see, and you're seeing it you're yeah. seeing it less and less now. You're seeing it less and less now, but for a while it was a huge deal for sure. Yeah, and I mean, sure. I, I, if you're if you're a degenerate like me, and you ever find yourself cruising the pre-owned sites at ungodly hours of the morning, every once in a while, <laughs> you'll one you'll run into a really good deal, and you'll be like, "Huh," and then like you look at the the photos, and you're like, "Oh, this is kind of round where it shouldn't be." Yeah, yeah, I've I've always wanted to find like a vintage Speedmaster Mark II or you know something like those Mark series watches, Pilot watches that Omega did a Flightmaster. Yeah. Like, but those cases almost always are just obliterated by people who didn't know what the hell they were doing. Funny story, though, all of those cases are hand refinished by Omega <clears throat> exclusively by their best polishers because all of their, their line work is done completely by hand and freehand. There's no uh, guides, like, they literally just rip it by hand, which is yeah. kind of crazy because some of that finishing is insane. It's so good, but yeah. Um, one I have is kind of a funny one, but, uh, when people, it's, it's more of a, it's more of a gripe for me, but when people use deployment, when it should be deployant, deployant. Yeah. That's yeah. A, uh, I always let, that I know it's, slide. I know it's a little pretentious. It's a little pretentious, but I mean, if we're being correct, deployment is when you like dispatch a group of people somewhere, <laughs> you deploy them, right? Like a military. Yes. Deployant is a French term. Okay, it's like opening. It's like a closure thing. So just 
Don't sound uneducated when you go to the watch meetup. It is deployant. All right, not deployment. I know this. I made this mistake. I was promptly corrected and I felt like an idiot. So for all of you that are listening to this, it's okay. Learn from from my mistakes. It's fine. Another big one I have is the, and I don't know how some of these brands get around it, but the almost one-to-one homage, like some of these brands get very, very close. And I don't know how you don't get the whole intellectual property infringement and all that, but it's, Listen, I get it. You're never going to get, you know, a Rolex root beer or something, but like to have an ex- almost an exact replica with like just a different name on it is a little, I don't, I think yeah. that's a big one for everybody. I think nobody's really behind that. I don't know. I mean, there's some, there's some people out there. I know certainly in like what I like to call the micro micro space. Okay. Yeah. You know, like it's like, it's already a micro brand, but like we're even smaller production than that. So it's like, it's a, a micro micro, right? Um, and I think a lot of this is just, it's stuff that's coming out of Asia and, and, and different places that are, you know, they're very inexpensive. Like if you ever found, if you ever watched, you know, just one more watch that YouTube channel, like there's yeah. some watches that I've literally never even heard of that are like selling for $150 us with like true travel time, GMT movements. Like, I don't like how, you know, and it looks exactly like what you think it's going to look like even down to some of the finishing, the bracelet technology and like everything. And as we learned from our, from our good friend, you know, that uh, was running the micro brand as we learned from him like some of this stuff is made in the same factories <laughs> you know they they're right. producing they, these things for other brands if you want it yeah <laughs> it's like well we'll put whatever you want on it big boy you're paid for it right i mean like it's it's crazy but it's also how they're able to do this because they're literally manufacturing this at their price which is this amount and then selling it to a brand at four times the amount right so yeah. it's kind of like it's it's a little crazy, but and always, I, I'm with you. It always bothers me because you know the term homage is sort of a nod to something, right? You are right paying you're op- celebrating something paying homage it's- to something. You are yeah, right. You're celebrating something. You are you are taking something that you already appreciate and showing your appreciation for that. You are not plagiarizing it. <laughs> yes, and that, and that's the thing that I that I feel is is so is so interesting, right? So like, you know, you look at like a Steinhardt, right? There are some pieces that are like pretty close copies. And then I look at someone like their ocean, you know, ocean one vintage watches. It's kind of like, you know, an explorer dial submariner, but the case is completely different. It's like got a different type of font or like, so you can see that there's inspiration behind it, but it's not a direct copy because let's be honest, at some point it just, becomes a copy yeah you know i look at uh you know some of the stuff that bill yao does with, with mark ii and it's like you know i know some of the intellectual property on these watches is like gone like their their patents and their whatever registered trademarks right. are it's gone. like rem- remaking an old song but i mean it's i mean it's pretty close <laughs> you know what i mean like it's it's pretty close no shade to what he's doing because he's doing it well and people love buying his watches and i get it you're never gonna own the real thing so that's yeah. always the rub, but at the same price, it's 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 a celebrated watch because of that reason. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's certainly a double-edged sword. Absolutely, yes. certainly yes. a double-edged sword. And I don't I don't have the perfect answer for it myself. Um, I just know that I I I have never felt comfortable wearing something that I know was trying to evoke 
the feeling of something else because inevitably people, people ask you, I, I remember in college when I was like, when I was getting in the watches and I had that Seiko diver and I kind of started going down the rabbit hole of homage watches and wanted to get something cool. And I remember I bought an homage Submariner from the Chinese watch manufacturer Parnas. Oh, if yeah. you remember that, if you remember that brand, and basically this was a, you know, it was a 40 mil steel sub homage with a ceramic bezel insert, but completely sterile dial. And it didn't say Parnas, didn't say nothing, didn't say anything on it. But everyone was like, hey, man, I like your Submariner. And I was just like, oh, it's not, you know, it's just like. It's so like, I know I want, it's like, it's like, I know I want it to be the thing, but it's not the thing. So I just, I, it I'm not going to tell I, people I, it's the thing. Yeah. I just like, I, I just gave it away. I was like, I can't, I just, I literally cannot. And it was at that moment for me that I was like, I homage watches. I understand that they have a space. I understand that they, they can be made by different brands at different levels and price points, but it's just not something that I want to do. If I want to go out and buy a Speedmaster, I'm going to save up the money and go buy it. That's what I want to get. Same thing with the Diver 65 or, you know, a Black Bay 58, whatever you want to get, just get the thing. If you can make it happen, go get the thing, go get the real thing. You know, now I'd love to say you can go get the real thing and be a Submariner, but let's, let's be honest. <laughs> that ain't happening for anybody really. But um, you can find plenty of watches that give the nod to the sub without being the sub. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, aside from that, I just got some funny stuff like brands with bad logos that throw it all over the dial and just some wearability issues. But other than that, uh, you know, pretty pretty standard stuff. Nothing uh, too off the wall. Well, I hope uh, for all of our fans out there that this was a fun, uh, exciting, little bit of a rant type uh, type uh, episode. Uh, it's been a while since since we've we've gone off. I think the last one was really watches and wonders, at least for me. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that was my last red episode. Uh, but uh, certainly kind of funny, lighthearted. But um, you know, obviously, we all kind of have similarities here. There's things that we like and things that we don't like. So take everything that we say with a grain of salt as well. If you like something and you're in love with a 4:30 date, hey man, you celebrate that. You uh, fly that freak flag and you you do what you're gonna do. All right. This is all a, a, a great place to be. We're all watch collectors at the end of the day. So enjoy it. Enjoy the hobby. And uh, yeah, have fun doing it. Don't take it so seriously. You don't need to be a keyboard warrior on Houdinki's comments blowing up Ben Clymer's feed. We'll be okay. Bro, you got anything else to add? No, that's it. I think that's it. <laughs> we'll, wrap, we'll put a bow on this one. On that, on that one, on that note, uh, yeah. thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Episode 30 in the books. Uh, stay tuned and uh, we'll release a new episode soon catch you on 31